Jesus as we're in this time where we think about that first Christmas when you came into our world. Lord, amidst all of the busyness of this time and this season, in these moments we want to stop and think and reflect on the moment that you entered our world. Lord, we want to look away from maybe some of the distractions that are around us and look to you and see you. Lord, we thank you for all the joy and all of the festivity and all of the excitement in this season. But we never do want to forget really what it's all about. We never do ever want to forget what you did and what it took and the price that you paid to reach us, to come to us, to be with us, to be that one that will never leave us or forsake us. So Lord, as we take these moments now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what no human being can do. That you would take the word of God and place it into our hearts by faith. That Lord Jesus, you would be lifted up and no other. Holy Spirit, that you would lift Jesus up in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Woo! Fantastic. Come on, let's give him a clap. Yeah, Jesus, we love you. Fantastic. Well, how many people love Christmas? Yeah. All the adults moaned and all the children cheered. Tell you what, the kids love it. And, um, you know, it's amazing. It, It is an amazing time, Christmas. It's wonderful. It's a joyous time. It's, a, it's an exciting time. Just the Christmas tree going up, the Christmas tree getting decorated, you know, the giving and the receiving of gifts, the sending of Christmas cards. You went into Cardiff yesterday and the hustle and the bustle and the busyness of it all. It's great. It's exciting. Christmas is a wonderful, wonderful time where we can be a blessing to others, where we can be blessed ourselves. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely, special time, and it should be that. It's a great time. But I often think, is the Christmas that we experience as people like the first Christmas that Jesus experienced when he came into our world? You know, our experience of Christmas is probably a very different experience to that first Christmas when Christ came into our world. Our experience, our understanding, our picture of Christmas can be so, so far removed from that first Christmas when Christ came into our world. It was a very different picture, of course. You know, the Christmas cards that we send, they picture children playing and adults singing carols, you know, throwing snowballs. And you see all of the festivities pictured on the Christmas card that you send. 
You see Christ in a manger and it looks so clean. It looks so pure. It looks so untouched and so perfect. But really, was it like that? Was it like that when Christ came into our world? If we had to create a a, a Christmas card this morning based on the biblical facts, if we had to create a Christmas card based on Matthew chapter 2 and you had to lift the facts of truth off Matthew chapter 2 and you, or you had to lift the, the, the facts of Christmas from the Bible from Luke chapter 2 alone and the Gospels, you would see a very different picture emerging on the card that you were going to create. You'd probably create a card that was horrific and dark. Of course, it would have the glad tidings of the angels arriving to announce the blessed news of a Messiah and of a Savior being born. But also, it would have the horrid scenes of darkness and uncertainty. It would have the scenes of a world that's opposing the Christ and the gift of God that's coming. If we had to create a Christmas card based on the truth of the Word of God today, it would probably have an 18 certificate. It would probably be so graphic that you'd never be able to send it to anybody. It certainly would never be sold in a shop. And that's the reality. That's the reality of that first Christmas, that first world that Christ came into, that he was born into. He wasn't born, we know, in a palace. The king of all kings, the darling of heaven, you would have thought would have arrived with stately form and majesty and pomp. You would have thought that his arrival would have been in the, in, in, in the most glorious form. But no, Isaiah, seeing the time many thousands of years before Christ arrived and came into our world, says... He came with no stately form or majesty. He came with no royal robes. Paul, the apostle, after the event, seeing and looking back when Christ came, says to the Philippian church to leave them under no illusion. He said to them, he said, he who was God emptied himself of all of his divine rights and privileges. And became a man and took on sinful flesh, though he was God. It's so amazing that God's ways of entering the world are so different to our ways. If it was us announcing the arrival of the king of all kings, if it was us uh, announcing the arrival of God in the flesh... We would have got the latest PR. We would have splashed it over world headline. We would have got world media to come in and zone in on that moment. But God, it almost seems, hides it all away. And he goes to a virgin. You can read about it in Luke chapter 1. He goes to a virgin via the angel. And he calls her highly favored. He calls her blessed among women. 
And he announces that, that, that the child that, that will be born from her womb will be the son of God, will be great amongst men, will be the savior of the world. He will ru- sit on David's throne. He will rule over Jacob's house. His kingdom will never end. And a teenager of a girl receives glad tidings from heaven as God announces that he's going to come to earth and use her womb. And her only question is, how can this be? How? How can this be? I've never been with a man. The man that I'm with, I'm betrothed to. We're engaged to be married. But I'm a virgin. I'm untouched. I'm pure. How can this be? And suddenly the angel begins to describe a whole process that is pure. A whole process of being able to get inside her. He says, you'll be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And his power as he overshadows you will bring together this moment and Christ will be conceived in you. Oh, it's amazing what God can do. And at the end of it all, he says, nothing will be impossible to God. Is there things in your life? You see, the Christmas message is pertinent to all of our lives. The Christmas moment, there's a message for every single one of us in this room. This morning, from the Christmas moment, nothing, he says, will be impossible to God. Are there things, are are there circumstances that seem so hard, seem so impossible to you? You can't move beyond them. Nothing is impossible to God. Be encouraged today. And Mary's mind must have been racing. As the angel announces to her that she is going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and what's going to be conceived in her will be the king of all kings and his kingdom will never end. And he'll sit on David's throne and rule over Jacob's house. Amazing. Astounding. Incredible. Highly favored among women. You know, Paul in his letter to the Galatians. His prayer to them was this, very much like what happened to Mary in her home when the angel visited her. He said, I pray, I pray that Christ would be formed inside you. Christ can be formed inside you and me like he was in Mary, not in physical form." But in a reborn form, John tells us, Christ can be formed in you. How is it possible? How is it possible that Christ can be formed in me? The very same way that he was formed in Mary, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and suddenly what will happen is that you'll find a new life, a Christ life inside you. You see, what happened to Mary is not isolated to Mary. It's open to you and I. It's actually opened the world over. And that's why the message of Christmas, the world will always be attracted to it. The world will always be drawn to it. Why? Because there's a meaning in it for us all. It's not to be kept in history. It's not just to be looked back on and thought about and, 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 and reflected on and, you know, us think, well, it happened then, but what about now? 
Christ can be formed in every single one of us. Like he was in Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the amazing message of Christmas. But you know our cards that we send and the picture that we have of Christmas very often is so far removed. So far removed from what actually happened. We would have thought that Jesus would have been born in the palace when the wise men went to find Jesus many months later after his birth to to visit him and to give appropriate gifts. They came with their gold and their frankincense and myrrh to lay them at his feet. These were men, these these were wise men from the east, kings from the east that had traveled thousands of miles for months to get an audience with this baby. What was so unique about this baby? This baby had a star in the east that they had seen. This baby had flung the stars into space, had ordered the planets and the solar systems. This baby had created the very ground that they stood on. And they knew that there was something beyond what they could understand in in, in this baby. And they traveled for miles to get to him. And the first place that they went to was a palace, Herod's palace in Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where you would think a king would be, and certainly a king of this stature. And they visit Herod, and they they inquire of Herod, where is the king of kings? Where is the king whom the star has directed us to? And this king was obviously troubled and enraged, and jealous that there could be the possibility of another king arriving in the neighborhood. And immediately he begins to inquire of the chief priests and the religious rulers, and they knowing the prophecies, and they knowing that the king was coming and on his way, began to direct him as to the location that Christ would be born into. But they had a longing, these kings had a longing to find the Christ and they thought the first place that they would go to would be a palace. But God didn't choose a palace for his king to be born into. Amazing. As Mary and Joseph tried to find a place Luke chapter 2 tells us when they tried to find a place for Jesus to be born into, they, they looked first of all to get into an inn. And because of the, 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 the surge of population and because the, 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 the Roman government was, was requiring a census and taxation of all of the people in the roundabout region, there was no room in the inn. And no, no matter where they went, they could not get any room for Jesus to be born into. You know, when a, when a mum is expecting a baby, we've had four children. And, you know, as a dad, the one thing that you want to provide for your wife, you can't do a lot when a baby's being born. As a dad, you, you know, you, 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 you stand by and watch and offer as much help as you can. But that's not much. Really, 
A mom has to go through so much to get a little baby into the world. And the one thing that, that a mom, every mom should have is privacy. Privacy in the moment where she's got to bring her child into the world. She should have an environment that's clean, that's pure. That's right. They, they want to go to the inn. They want to get to the inn. They want some privacy. They want some seclusion for, for the Christ child, the savior of the world to be born. And yet they're rejected and they're pushed out. And our world has no room for the Christ. But God had designed it that way. God had purposed it and planned for it to be that way. And they can only find a stable, a dirty place smelling of animal manure. A place that, that, is, that is bare. A place that is open. A place that has no privacy. A place that is so public. It doesn't offer any enclosure. But God had designed it that way. God hadn't planned for this king to be born in the palace. God hadn't planned for this king to even be born in an inn. God had planned for this king to be born in a naked, open, bare, public, dirty, stinking hovel of a stable. God had planned it that way. And you know, I wondered why. I thought, I wonder why God didn't plan for this king, the king of all kings, the one that holds all all things together by the word of his power, the one that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Why did God design, why did God destine his son to be born in a stable, not in a palace, in a stable, not in an inn? Why? Well, I believe that the nearest thing that we can get to the human heart, the nearest picture, the nearest parallel that you can get to the human heart is not a palace that's ornate and pure and luxurious. It's not a palace that that is perfect. The nearest thing that you can get to the human heart that pictures the human heart perfectly, is not an inn that is warm and communal. The nearest thing that you can get to the human heart, if you really think about it, is a cold, empty, dank, dirty, downtrodden, stable. And one of the reasons I believe that God destined his son to be born in that place, and to lay in a manger, I mean an animal feeding trough for a cradle. Wasn't from mother care. It wasn't a nice little rocker from mamas and papas that my children had. No, it was an animal feeding trough that Christ lay in, the savior of the world, One of the reasons why I believe that God allowed that exposure was because it pitches the human heart where Christ wants to live. Think of it. God comes to our world. And they're on the run as a teenage couple. Their relationship is questionable. 
She's obviously showing all of the signs of being pregnant and she's an unmarried mother. And she's bearing the shame, bearing the scorn, bearing the ridicule. All of that's in the mix. All of the shame and all of the doubts and all of the questions looming over their lives. They're unmarried. And is Jacob the fa- uh, is Joseph the father or not? What's going on? There's been no marriage ceremony and she's saying that she's conceiving a son by the Holy Spirit. Of course, Joseph understands exactly what's happening because he's had a visitation from the angel too. But in their minds, they must have been troubled. In their minds, they they must have been perplexed because when you're highly favored of God, when an angel has spoken to you, When God has said that you are favored among women, when God has said that the the, the king that's conceived inside of you will sit on David's throne and will rule over Jacob's house, when you understand that his kingdom will never end, but you're riding on a donkey and you're running for your life and everything's uncertain and you end up in a stable that's messy and dirty to deliver him, there's some questions hanging in the balance here. You see, sometimes the favor of God can be happening on the inside of you while all of hell is breaking out on the outside of you, you see. There's a message for all of us from the first Christmas. You see, when Christ is being formed in you and all of the blessing of God is being unpacked inside of you, when there's, you know, the wonderful counsel of the Prince of Peace, the mighty God is being formed in you and created inside of you and you're growing and maturing and and being strengthened by him, it doesn't necessarily mean whilst that's happening on the inside that everything on the outside is going to be peaceable. And from that first Christmas, there were so many things out there that were loose, that weren't working together. But God in his wisdom and in his providence, whilst these teenage kids carrying the Son of God in their arms were on the run to Egypt and they lived there for two years whilst Herod was on a vicious murdering, murderous hunt, killing and slaughtering babies from, from a few moments old up to the age of two. Whilst he was doing all of that and they were abandoned to Egypt, God in his providence and in his wisdom was working it all together for good you see you can have the Christ inside you you can be holding him in your arms and the favor of God can be all over you and yet around you hell is doing everything to hold you back and push you out and send you to places where you don't want to go but you're just going there under the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit there's a message here for us there's a message here to encourage us because God is an ever-present help in times of trouble and no matter what this Christmas brings to all of us whether it be joy and happiness and peace and merriment I'm for it all or whether it's hardship and depression and fear there's been occasions in my life where at Christmas I've been 
fearful, fearful at Christmas. Can you believe that? Paranoid in my mind. Where I've been depressed at Christmas. Several times, successively, at Christmas time, it would hit me. I'm having a good Christmas this Christmas. Touch wood. (laughs) No, it's going great so far. But there has been times. Or touch wood. There has been times. There has been times where, even as a, a, even as a, a pastor, where I have felt fearful, I felt depressed. I've, I've gone through, diff- and, and I've been looking at everybody getting excited. Faye absolutely loves Christmas. The Christmas tree went up in November. Dave and Sarah beat us this year by a couple of weeks. They are absolutely awesome, loving it too. But Christmas is wonderful. Isn't it? Faye goes over the top at Christmas. The kids go over the top. They love it. And sometimes I've sat there and I'm thinking, man, oh, I've got to get with it. I've got to get with it. I can't shake this free. I feel depressed. I feel low. I feel fearful. I feel, I feel so far removed from what I'm seeing and even experiencing in the church. Oh, come, holy, faithful, joyful, and try. I, I feel so far removed from that inside. Oh, I can look as happy as everybody else. And I can do the talk and, and, and show it all off like everybody else can. But the inner world, the, 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 the cogs are moving slow. The cogs are seizing up. And if that's how you're feeling, be encouraged today. It's all in this first Christmas. Because it wasn't a happy carol service that Christ came into. It wasn't a happy scene of children giving gifts to parents and and parents reciprocating that. It wasn't a, a nice, neat package that Christ came into. You and I can look back on that and no matter what our emotional state is, whether it's up, down, whether it's high, low, whether it's happy, sad, whether it's confident or fearful, depressed and dejected, it's all there. It's all there. And today we look back and we reflect and we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being willing to be homeless. Jesus Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to suffer the shame and, and for questions to hang over your life as an illegitimate child. Thank you for bearing the scorn of that. You see, when the shepherds came to see him, it was the lowest of the low visiting him, the retards, the, the ones that, that had no future, the ones that had no education, the ones that were put out into the fields. The, she- the vocation of a shepherd of that time was that, that they were the, the, the insult in, of society. And yet Christ drew them. The angels wanted them there. The angels wanted the lowest of the low to be there. And Jesus drew them. And the wise men visiting months after, the angels wanted the highest of the high. 
You see, Jesus draws all together. He draws all. He draws every human being. It doesn't matter whether you live in high society. It doesn't matter if you're living in a cardboard box. It doesn't matter if you've got a great paying job. Or if, it, or, or if you live on the backside of town where nobody wants to live, it doesn't matter. Jesus wants to live there. Jesus loves people, not because of what they care. Let's give him praise. Jesus. Jesus doesn't care about all of the trimmings that you've got in your life. And if you've got them, fantastic. No problem. But if you haven't, absolutely no problem either. It doesn't matter what, what we think about others. I tell you something now, when, you, when it comes to Jesus thinking about people, he thinks on a completely different level. He really does. He's wonderful. He's glorious. And I tell you now, when I think about him and talk about him these days, oh, woo, he's awesome. He's wonderful. He is worthy of praise. There's nobody like him. Absolutely nobody like the king. And we have an audience with him. And we have access to him. Like the shepherds have had access to him. You've got access to him. Like the, like the wise men had an audience with him. You've got an audience with him. And you can walk into his presence. How do I get in there? How do I? How do, well, you just, you just go before him and you say, It's me, Jesus. I know, I know you know all about me, but I know nothing about you. Fantastic, he says. Come on in. I've been waiting to see you, you little beauty. And he embraces us and he loves us. You see, when we talk to him from our hearts and we just say, Jesus, would you come into this heart? It's not a palace. It's not even an inn. It's a stable that everything's run through. I haven't been able to stop all of the stuff that's come through there. Addictions have come through there. Relational breakups have come through there. Like a runaway train, things have just traveled through my heart. Day after day, moment after moment, and it's just left it stinking. That's the story of my life anyway. Fear, depression, mess up after mess up, confusion. Just like a runaway train all the way through your heart. And he says, I'll come in. I'll come in and make it a beautiful place. And I'll be formed in you like I was in Mary. How can this be? How can you take a sinner like me? How can you deal with all this mess? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will form Christ within you. He's wonderful. So when we're opening our presents this Christmas, just take a few moments to think about the gift that God brought to the tree. The gift that God brought in his son Jesus. Think about the gift that he gave to you and me. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to bow our heads right now and we're just going to pray. And maybe today, you've never asked Jesus to come into the stable of your heart. Maybe you thought, do you know what? He wouldn't want a person like me because I'm not religious. I don't feel as if he would ever choose a person like me. Let me tell you, I thought exactly the same. I thought he wanted a palace. I thought he wanted an inn. I didn't think he wanted a dirty stable called Dave Edwards. But to my surprise, when I opened the door, he came in. Maybe you're here today. And you've never, you've never invited him in. Well, what have I got to do? Have I got to be a better person? No, no. You haven't got to clean the stable up. Don't worry about that. You haven't got to do anything. You've just got to receive him. You've just got to say, I'd love to be your friend, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you're alive. I believe you came to save me. You believe you died for me. And suddenly you'll find him inside you. As we've closed our eyes, I'm going to pray. I want you to pray right now with me. I want to help you. That's all I want to do. To invite him into your heart. And what you'll find as you do this, quietly, silently in your heart, in the days and the weeks to come, Christ will be formed in you. He will be formed inside you. And he'll help you to live life. Pray this with me. Pray, Jesus, Jesus, I ask you today to forgive me my sin. I invite you into my heart. Come in. Come in to my life. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to lift your hand up. I'll see it. That's it, my love. That's it. There's people at the back. Yeah, there's people. That's right. We're going to give you a little booklet. There's some people there. That's it. Jesus is going to be formed in you now. It's going to be formed inside you. You haven't got to do anything. You haven't got to get down on your knees and, you know, turn into some monk or some nun. He's just going to take over now. It's like somebody jumping in the driving seat, grabbing a hold of the wheel. You've been driving it recklessly down the motorway, in the wrong lanes, up the bank, through the fields. But now he said, no, I'm just going to jump in the driving seat now and help you drive. You're going to sit in the passenger seat. He's going to take control. Jesus, we thank you today for every precious life here. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for lifting Jesus up. 
And we pray over this season as we meet people, as they invite us into their lives, as Christ is formed inside of us, they would see him through our eyes, hear him through our lips, and Lord, feel him through our hands in Jesus' name. 